morning. morning. Again. If you will, turn in your Bibles. Uh, If you you have them with you, I hope, certainly hope that you do, or power them up, however you you, uh, choose to read God's Word. Uh, We're we're going to be in two different passages this morning, if you want to go ahead and find them and and, uh, be ready. But the first one is in Luke chapter 20, the end of Luke chapter 20, the last five verses, and then the first part of Luke chapter 21. And then we're going to be in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8, uh, at, at, toward the end of the message, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. So uh, to we, we're wrapping up today's mess, or this series that we're in right now. Um, we are, this series is called First Fruits, but in, in this, it's kind of a, it is about giving. But what I hope that you've seen, uh, or, or if you haven't, that you will see today, it's not about getting you to tithe. That's it's not at all what this is about. That will come when you get your heart in tune with the Lord and you follow, you, you fall into obedience with God in every aspect of your life. That's what this series is about. It's about you giving the first that you've been given by God back to Him. That may be tithes. That, um, that may be your time. It may be your talents. Uh, it, 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 whatever it is that God's given you, is He first? This, here's the key. Is He first in your life? Um, how, how many of you remember being uh, in middle school or high school, elementary, whatever, uh, but you remember being young and... Uh, some of you, I just discounted you all together. I can't even remember that far back. But how, how many of you remember being um, at recess or PE and say, hey, we're going to play dodgeball, we're going to play basketball, whatever it may be. What's the first thing you do? Pick captains. You got to have captains, right? So you're going to be captain and you're going to be captain. And, and, so there's, and then everybody else does what? Line against the wall, you know, or gets on the line over there. Everybody's standing over there. And then this person picks this one and this one, and it goes down to there's nobody left, right? Well, until there's one person left. And then they're just kind of standing there and like, you know, everybody starts walking off. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'm on that team, you know. And, you know, it, it, that's not very fun, is it? If maybe you've never, you said, I was always the first one picked, you know, okay, whatever. But try to imagine with the rest of us, you know, how that might would feel if you're looking at this person in there and they're uh, nobody else wants you but they'll take you when there's no other option now stop to think for a moment one of these captains is your best friend or is your brother or sister or some someone very close to you and they don't pick you till there's no other option That'd be even worse, wouldn't it? How do you think God feels when we take every other option available to us before we pick Him? I don't have anything else to do. I'll go to church today. I don't don't have anything else to do with... I've I've bought everything I want. I've I've done all the shopping I wanted to do. I've I've given everything, whatever. And now... I'll, you know, I got a little bit left. I, I, I'll tip him. I've used my talents all week long. 
for to make money for me and to do what all the stuff I want to do. And now, you know, if I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw God a bone here and there and I'll do whatever it is that I do for him for a few moments. It's like saying, you know, if I'm... Um, Take whatever whatever talent you have or whatever your desire is, and you say, well, I'm going to do that first. And then if I'm not too tired, I'll go down there to the church and work, or I'll go down to Christian social ministry and pack some boxes, or I, I, I'll, I'll go to you know, Appalachian ministry and pack some boxes, whatever. Here's the, the point of this series is that God should be first, and everything else come after that. God should be the first pick. You know, everything else is good. You know, you, 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 you divide up playing basketball. You're going to pick the first guy. He's the best one. I'm going to pick him first. And I, there may be some other good ones out there, but he's the best. I want to make sure he's on my team. Here's the idea behind this series. I'm going to pick God first in my life, and then the other good stuff I'll add to it, but I'm going to make sure I give to him first my money, my time, and my talent. So today's message is called the tale of two hearts. Because really, again, that's what this message is about. It's about your heart, not your money or your time or whatever. It's about if your heart's right, you'll do the right thing. And that's what God is most concerned about is, is our heart, not <clears throat> the amount or, or anything else that we give. So our first point today, do this a little bit backwards from what I normally do. Our first point today is God knows your motivation. Now, you may fool me, okay? Um, and, and that's what he's concerned about is your motivation. I, number one, I've, I've said many, many times, I don't know what anybody in here gives of their money. Now, I can see what you give of your time. You know, there, there, there are some people here that I know you're, you're going to make sure that you, you do for the Lord. Uh, I'm... I started to call somebody out. I, 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 don't, I don't want to do that, but well, yeah. Um, you might fool me when I call you and say, hey, can you uh, do this? Can you um, do this for the church? Or you can do that for the church. But um, and you say, well, I got this prior obligation, you know, uh, that I, I, I would love to. Pastor, I'd love to come down there and cut that grass for you today, but. You know, I, I just got this other thing I got to do, and you hang up the phone, and wife said, who's that? Well, oh, the pastor wants me to cut that grass again, man. I ain't got time for that today. His ball game's on. You know, why would he call right here in the middle of the ball game? He knows, he knows, you know, well, I won't get in trouble by naming some names of teams, but he knows this is happening, and I, I just, you know, I don't really want to go down there today. And then... Um, Versus I call and you say, well, and I got a tea time at one o'clock. You know what? I'm going to, I can play golf anytime. I'm going to cut the grass. That's what God needs me to do. That's what I'm going to do. Our first, um, you can fool me. You can give me all kinds of excuses and I may fall for them, but understand this. God knows your motivation. He knows how much is in your bank account, whether it be, <laughs> Your physical bank account, like I'm just exhausted, I just can't go. Or and he knows what's in your emotional bank account. He knows what's in your in your uh, SBNT bank account. So, uh, read with me Luke chapter 20, verses 45 through 47. 
we're going to see a great example of this. It says, I'm reading from CSB. Uh, it says, while all the people were listening, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes. Now, first, let me explain. Scribes were church leaders. They weren't leaders in the fact of, uh, like you'd think of a pastor or something, but they were revered within the church. Their job was to take the scriptures and, and write out another copy of the scriptures. You know, uh, you, you couldn't, some of you just opened up an app and started reading the scripture. They didn't have that back then. Okay, they, wasn't, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, go to Amazon or Gottwald's books and get, uh, or Lifeway and get a copy of the scripture. So they, they had to copy them. And it was so important. Listen, we have, we've forgotten how powerful and important and precious the Word of God is. These people understood that the Word of God was precious. And so those who were entrusted with it were of the most entrusted people in, 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 the, in the church. So they were looked upon as a high high standing in their society. Okay, so that's who the scribes were. They, they would write, copy God's word. If they got to the very end, the last sentence, the last word, and they forgot to dot an I or cross a T, or they wrote the wrong word or, or something, they had to tear it all up, throw it away, because the word of God had to be perfect. These guys were important. Now keep that in mind as we read forward. It says, beware of the scribes. Who, not all scribes, okay, who want to go around in long robes and who love greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honors of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. Now, there is a difference between seeking recognition so that more people know about your mission and you can reach more people that way versus thriving off of being well-known. There's a lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders, a lot of whatever, who, who thrive off of being famous, you know, I was I was at a conference this past week at North American Mission Board. That is our the Georgia the Southern Baptist wing of missionaries that focus on North America. So um, I was up there. It, it's just above Atlanta. I was up there for a conference for for a couple of days, um, and there were some of the biggest, most well-known pastors in America in Southern Baptist Church life there. Um, one of which you've, you've heard of uh, Johnny Hunt. Many of you, you've heard me talk about him a lot. He's one of my uh, mentors in, 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 uh, in ministry. I sat with him at, at a table um, for, for the conference. He sat right next to me. We talked, whatever. And, and one of the guys, there was another guy sitting at a table at the first break when, when Johnny first came in and, and we, were, we were talking and and then the, there was a, another pastor from somewhere flew in from Ohio or something. Said, man, you know him? Yeah, you can too. What? See, just go talk to him. Well, that's Johnny Hunt. I said, you don't know him. Or you would know. You can know him. 
He used to sit there and talk to anybody. I was talking to Dad about this later on. And Dad said, you know, the thing about Johnny Hunt is he don't know how, how big a deal he is. I heard him talk several years ago talking about, he, he preached to six, 7,000 people on Sunday morning. He will have guest speakers come and preachers come and speak and, and, and big name bands come. Uh, uh, and one of his best friends is the, uh, owns New Song, leads singing in New Song. And he's, he, 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 he will have these people come, but he would tell them all, listen, if you don't have time to hang around afterwards and talk to the people, you, you don't need to come to my church because we're interested in reaching individuals. He's humble, as humble can be, really. I mean, he is. is. And, and, and the thing is, every, I guess because I was sitting with him, every guest pastor that came and spoke to us came to our table. And, and every one of them was just, they, they humble. Now, I've been around some others who didn't have near as much influence um, who, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this without getting in too big of trouble. Um, they weren't as big a deal as they thought they were. Let's just put it that way. They were full of themselves. Everything is about me, me, me being famous. You know, listen, we as a church, as a staff, uh, we try to publicize Lighthouse Baptist Church as much as possible. I mean, when I first started talking about putting sermons online, I was like, number one, who the heck's going to go to the trouble to listen to me? I mean, you know, why, why should we do that? And I was, there's a part of that bothered me. I'm like, is that, I don't know if I really want to do that. It just sounds kind of pious. I, I don't, I don't really want to do that. But then I, I come to an understanding that what we're trying to do is reach as many people as we can for Jesus. And so there's nothing wrong with promoting what we're doing if our motivation is about seeing people come to know the Lord. If it's about growing a church, fool on that. Let somebody else down the street do that. I'm, I'm not here to grow a church. I'm here to grow people. That's what God's called me to do. Now... If we do that, I think for the most part, there'll be more people come. Like today is packed. That's th is, I'm thankful for that. But that's not the motivation. The problem with a lot of, of us as individuals, especially leaders, but all of you, all of us struggle with pride. <laughs> Understand pride is the original sin. That is what caused Eve to partake of the forbidden fruit in the garden. She wanted to be like God. And Satan convinced her that eating of this fruit wouldn't kill her. It would make her equal to God. And so she, her pride welled up in her. So I can be like God. Yeah, I want to be like God. I don't want anybody to be more important or know more than me. And so she ate of it. Listen to me closely. Pride, you know, they say, well, Scripture says pride goes before the fall. Pride will destroy everything around you, especially relationships. Um, it, it will cause you to spend more money than you have and be broke because you're trying to keep up with somebody else. You know, I, I, I want, I saw so-and-so got a new truck. I need to get a new truck. So-and-so got a new boat. I need to get a new boat. So, you know, whatever, you know, um, ladies, whatever it is that 
that, that you like. She got some new shoes. I need some new shoes. You know, whatever. Pride will get you in trouble. Especially in the Christian life. There's no room for it, man. None. Look, I wrote down a few things um, that I, I thought about when thinking about a lack of humility, which is, is, is um, being prideful. When we have a lack of humility, number one, it can be smelled by others. It can be smelled by others. You ever been around someone and you went, oh, God. <laughs> You know, maybe <laughs> having a conversation with somebody and you're looking for a breath mint, hard as you can. I got to have something around here. Something's got to smell better than that. You know, I can get them to eat this breath mint. You know, and 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 they have absolutely no clue. Yeah, let, let's turn this around. You ever been having a conversation and somebody said, "Hey, you need you want a mint?" <laughs> uh, there might be a telltale, and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Oh, you know. I, I didn't know my breath stank. I didn't know us. You know, that, that might be. So often we smell and we don't, we don't smell it like the other people around us do. The same thing is with a lack of humility. You can be all boasted up, uh, you know, boosted up and think you're all that. And everybody else around you go, you know what? I can't stand. I can't even be around them. It's, it's, it's like a stench coming off of them. I can't, I can't even be around them. It makes me, makes me nauseous. I know. I, I can't. I can't stand to be around someone who thinks they're better than everybody else in the room or at least trying to convince me of that. You know, sometimes we'll say, you ain't got to convince me. Look, it can be smelled by others, and it's not a good smell. The second thing I noted about a lack of humility is it will derail your efforts or ministry eventually. Now, how many people woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to be ineffective today? But nobody, we want to be effective at whatever we're doing, right? Understand this. A lack of humility will derail your efforts in whatever you're doing. But if it's in ministry, if you're trying to reach people for Jesus and you're trying to be who God's called you to be, then it will, it will run you slam off the tracks. Because everybody around you can smell it. And it will cause you to make bad decisions. Decisions that will make you look good rather than the Father. And here's the thing. God knows your motivation. You might fool me. You're not going to fool him. Ever. Last thing we see about this particular passage uh, this, that we just read is that God will hold those entrusted with leadership and those who cause others to stumble to a higher level. To the one, much is entrusted as much is expected. That's just, I mean, that's the way things work. With God and with your work, with, with, with that's the way it is. If, if someone trusts you with a lot, they're going to expect a higher level from you. Um, and, and the same thing goes with God. If you, listen, if you cause someone else to stumble in sin, you better understand you're going to pay for that. That's a, one of the major things that kept me from surrendering to the ministry earlier on is I was afraid of me. I knew me. I knew I was out to stumble. I mean, 
most of the time my life looked like a dude that just drank two-fifths of liquor. I couldn't stand up for five seconds. I was falling all over myself everywhere I turned around. And I was like, I'm going to trip somebody else. And, and, you know, it's one thing for me to fall and get hurt, but I don't want to trip somebody else. You better understand, God's going to hold you accountable for your actions. Christians, um, non-Christians, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Second point of today's message we see is that God knows your, uh, your motivation. That's the first one. Just seeing if any of you were, were paying attention. If you didn't catch that, wake up. Second point is he desires a big heart, not a big amount. I told you, this is not, this is not a series on tithing. This is a series on giving God your best. Okay, so, and when you do that, it's going to be well above tithing. I know some of you just about fell out. But it, it is. When you give your very best, it's going to be above 10%. Look, he desires a big heart, not a big amount. Just continue on reading with me there in Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. Notice what he says here. He looked up and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. Look, uh, in the temple, there was a court, in other words, a section in the temple that was for, for women. Women were not allowed to go into the men's section. Okay? Uh, and, and so... The, the offering plates, so to speak, I'm going to explain them in a second, were, were, were there in the women's section. And there was 13 of them, and they each had a specific, it was all designated. You know, like, I'm, I'm going to give to uh, the, the building fund, I'm going to give to the Levite fund, you know, I'm going to give to the camel fund, whatever they were. So they, they had 13 different ones there, and they were all in boxes, and out on the top of the box, was mounted a trumpet that was inverted. It was a piece of metal that was shaped like a trumpet. It was inverted. It got narrow as the neck went down and went into the box. So you threw your money in the top, and it, it would go around that trumpet and down into the box. Well, it didn't take long for people to realize, if I put it in a certain way, it'll make more noise, and everybody is standing around watching and listening, and they'll think that I gave more money. It become a competition among the, the rich people. That might be good for the temple treasury, but it's not good for the obedience of those people. Because what they started doing, keep in mind, they only had metal coins. They didn't have paper. And so the, their coins, the heavier they were, uh, the thicker they were, and the bigger around they were, the more noise they would make. So they, the, these rich people was throwing them in there, make them go around and around and around. And then when they hit the other change at the bottom, it would make a loud noise. This widow's mite. Uh, earlier this year, Tanya and I uh, had the privilege, because of your your grace and generosity, to go to Israel uh, and and spend ten days over there. And it's one of my top of my list was to get a widow's mite while I was there. I, I love this story, um, and so we ran across a couple guys um, where they were digging 
uh, one in particular, and, and, and I bought some. And what I want you to do is when, when we dismiss uh, here in a few moments, I want you to go into the coffee shop and ask Mr. Mike, be in the coffee shop, ask him, can you hold one of those widow mics? I've got several, six or seven back there. I want you to hold it in your hand because you can't grasp this, the, the story unless you do, really. I, I didn't realize. I knew it was small. I knew it didn't mean much. But until I held one, it, it's different. This is the widow's mite. I know you probably just can't see it. But it, 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 two of these make up almost a half a penny. That's how, I, I mean, it is as thin as paper. Thinner than some paper. I mean, it's really small. It's insignificant. You drop this in that temple treasury, it don't make any noise. Nobody even knows. And you know what? I, I think, I've often thought when I read it, I bet she's probably happy that it didn't make any noise. She's like, I don't want anybody to know how much I put in. But everybody's standing around going, I didn't even hear what she, you know, she couldn't have put in much at all. I mean, we was over there, uh, and I, I was buying a Diet Coke, and, and I, you know, I had a handful of coins, but I didn't know what in the world they were. You know, I was, I was, I, this guy didn't rip me off. I might be paying $20 for this coat because I don't, I can't tell what the coins are, you know. And so, so I give him, I give him, he tells me how much, and I thought I'd kind of figured it out, so I give him a couple coins, and he looks at me and just like, what are you doing? I was like, what? I thought I gave him more. And he was like, that, that's, no, you need this, this. And I was like, uh, so many shekels and I'm like well that's there's I just gave you three shekels right there he said no those are not shekels that's something he called it something else and it was and, and he said those really are not even of any value we don't even use those <laughs> somebody does because they gave it to me I you know I didn't just dream this up in my hand you know and so I might have paid 50 bucks for that Diet Coke I don't know but my mind immediately went to this story those coins are so insignificant. I don't even want them. But look at what Jesus said about this lady giving this coin. He said she's given more than all of these others who numerically gave way more than she did. Because Jesus says here they've given out, a, notice the word surplus. You know, you go to a surplus store because it's, and, and you get it cheap because they've got all they need and they don't need anymore. And so they've, they've given their extra to the surplus. These other rich men in the room are giving out of what they don't even need. And she, he says she's giving out of her very sustenance. She, she's giving her, her rent money. She's trusting God to take care of the needs and not her money. He desires a big heart. He don't care about a big amount. Listen, I might hurt your feelings here. It won't be the first time. Uh, God don't need your money. He, God doesn't even need your time. He don't need your talents. He created everything that has ever been. Think about that for a moment. Why would he? Why would he? Why would he need your money? He doesn't. This isn't about you putting money in an offering plate. This is about you saying, "God, everything I have is yours." 
That's what being a Christian is about. It's not about saying a prayer. Listen, if you're in this room and you've come down front at some point when you was 8, 9, 10 years old or 45 years old or 105, whatever, and you said, said I, with a preacher, I, I want to pray that prayer. I want to go to heaven. And you said some prayer and you walked out the door and you lived your life the same way you did before you walked in the door. You, you're trying to cash a fraudulent check. It is of no value. What you did is of no value. It's, it's about, you, you, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, come up to him, walking down the road, he said, Master, what must I do to be saved? He said, he said keep my commandments. He said, oh, but I've done that since my youth. Uh, he, he said, no, I'm sorry. He said, which ones? And so he named off a bunch of them. And he said, oh, yeah, I've kept all of those since my youth. And, and, and I can just picture in my mind's eye him just kind of welling up like, I got it. I got this. And then Jesus said, oh, but you lack one thing. What is that? He said, go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And it says, saddest part of all the scripture, says the young man went away sad because he had much. God doesn't need your money. Jesus is saying to this rich young ruler, if you want to go to heaven, you want to inherit heaven, you got to be willing to give up everything and follow me. And God doesn't require that from everybody. There's other people who said, you know, and Jesus didn't make them sell everything they had because the money wasn't their issue. Jesus saw his heart, and Jesus knew this rich young ruler worshipped his money. And he knew that this was what this, this young ruler would not give up for him. So you see, coming to know Jesus means means not coming down the aisle and saying a prayer, God, I want to go to heaven. It means saying, God, listen, you sent your son to die for me. I'm a wretched sinner and I have no way to heaven except for by you. And I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins. And I'm placing all my trust in you. And then nothing I have is not at your disposal. That's the gospel. Last thing we see is, or the last point I want to make in this message. Let's follow the example of Macedonia. Now, you may not know who Macedonia was. Uh, it's not Macedonia Missionary Church or whomever it is down the road. There's a lot of churches named Macedonia, and it's kind of for good reason. You know, um, it's kind of funny. You know, we, we're, we're, we're located on Sardis Church Road. Uh, who in the world would name the church Sardis Church, by the way? Go read Revelations. It's not good. Macedonia, however, was good. If you read with me in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, uh, we're going to see this example. It says, this is Paul uh, writing to the church at Corinth. Now, the church at Corinth was a well-off church. Uh, it, it, they, they did very well. They were wealthy. Um, Macedonian churches, the, Macedonia was an area, Okay. Uh, the churches in, within Macedonia were not very well off. You kind of would um, say uh, Paul's writing to the North Macon church about the South Macon church. <laughs> okay? But the South Macon church is going through some hard times. The area is. You know, let's say all of this area is, is um, agricultural. 
and there's been no rain in all of this area for years, and now it's very poor because there's no way to make money. And, and so just kind of keep that in mind as we read this uh, because Paul is writing to the rich church, okay? Um, and he says this. We want you to know. Oh, by the way, let me, let me say this. Paul is a missionary. He's traveling all around on, on a journey. And all around, as he stops he makes, he's, he's giving to the poor. He's helping feed people. And he's asking for an offering to help him do that. Okay, that's the whole premise, uh, context of what we're reading. So then he says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction. So these churches are in a severe trial, okay? In other words, they're broke. Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty. They weren't just having to eat hamburgers instead of steak. Their extreme poverty and a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to us by God's will. Now there's a couple things I want us to see here. Let's back up and go verse by verse real quick. Number one. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God. He's, giving the church. He's saying, it's by the grace of God Macedonia had anything to give. And, and, and not only that, it's by the grace of God that Macedonia has a heart to give. You're not so good a person because you well up this gener, gener, uh, generous heart. If you have a generous heart, it's because God's God given you that. You have, we all have, by nature, a stingy heart. Some more than others. But what Paul is saying is, by them even wanting to give, <coughs> excuse me, and give in a time when they are, they are desperate, that has to come from the motivation of the Lord. Then he says, during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy, not just and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They're giving when it's the hardest for them to give. They're hungry and they're giving to the poor. And they, notice what he says, their extreme poverty, they're extremely poor and they're giving to the poor. He says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, he said, they gave money they don't even have. Now, that don't mean they went down and robbed the Dollar General, you know, to, to get the money. It just means that they had stuff they needed. They need, not, not iPhones, they had stuff they needed, food, okay, to, to survive. And they gave that money away, trusting God was going to provide for them in the end. This is, and look, he says, beyond their ability, of their own accord. In other words, what Paul is saying is, listen, I'm writing you asking you for some money because you got it. I didn't even ask them. And, they, and, and, and notice what happens. He says, not only did they give, they begged us. They begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. They didn't say, what do we have to do? What do you require? 
What, what, what can we get away with? He says, man, they're, they're dead flat broke. I didn't even ask them for anything. And they're begging us to allow them to be a part of this ministry. It's an example of what a church should be. And not just as we had hoped, he said. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. What that means is they gave their tithes to their local church first. And then they went above that. And they gave to our ministry to help the poor. It's an example of what we should be as a body of Christ. If a church... more focused on itself than it is the community and others around it, it is, it's not doing the work of the church and we can only do that is if the body of the people are obedient here's a conclusion today a couple questions and then I'm going to give you a, a chance to do something number one what have you been holding back from God I ask this question every once in a while because most every message comes back to this. What have you been holding back from God? What is it that God's given you that you are exclusively holding for your own desires? Now, I'm not saying you can't be happy and have nice things. And I like nice things. And if yours is bothering you and getting in the way of your relationship with the Lord, bring it to me. You know, if, if your boat is just... You're worshiping your boat, call me. I'll come get it. You know, whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with nice things. The thing is, is it available to the Lord if he calls for it? If God came to you today and said, I want you to go and sell that truck and buy this economy car and give the money to the Lord, would you do it? Now, I'm not saying I've said that. I'm saying if God said that to you and you knew that was the Lord, would you, would you make that available to him? What if God told you, I need you to quit working overtime, volunteer overtime, and spend that money down at the Rehoboth Baptist Association packing boxes to, to send up to the Appalachian ministry? I want you to give up that extra money and come serve me. What if God told you, listen, you play golf once a week. I want you to stop that for the next month. And serve in your community, in your church, or wherever. Would you do that? Can he count on you? If he calls. Can he count on you to be there? Whether it be service, or whether, whether it be offering. That's, that's the question. Number two. What attitude have you been giving with? I don't care if you just wrote a check. Well, I do. If you just wrote a check for $10,000 and put it in the offering plate, God bless your soul. Okay? I'm, I'm cool with that. But I'm only cool with that because I can't see your heart. He can. See, it, it, I can only see the dollars. He, he can see your heartbeat. So here's the question. How have you been giving? You've been giving out of your heart? Your time, your talents, your tithes, or have you been giving begrudgingly? I'd much rather you give out of your heart less than give more out of, out of trying to convince somebody else how, how much you have. or Buying, buying God's 
grace. You can't do that. He knows what your heart is. And last question is, will you make it all available to Him today? It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. I said, look, I preach the truth. Um, some of you know that. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was having a conversation with a, um, a guy that works for Georgia Baptist Mission Board this week. And he was asking how, how last week went, you know, my message and so forth. And I told him. And he said, you did what? And I said, I, mean, I told him what I preached last week. And he said, you kidding me? I said, no. And he just laughed. He said, you preached on divorce and tithing in the same message? Dude, you're going to get fired now. And I was like, you know what? In most churches, you're right. 99.9% churches, you're probably right. But I'm blessed to be able to serve a church who I think wants to hear the truth. Or they at least tolerate it. Because it's, it's what's in the scripture. Now, but if I call out your sin from this platform, chances are I've, I have indulged in it myself. I'm not looking down at you. Not even close. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. Ah, good night. I, I register with that. A hundred percent. Question is, what are you going to do about it today? Are you going to continue? Have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you, it, it's, like I said earlier, it, this morning, maybe God's not calling you to put more money in offering plate. Maybe he's calling you to put your heart in it. Maybe this morning, God's saying, you just give me your heart. And I'll take care of all that other stuff. He will, I promise you. This morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I pray you'll come down front, take Jacob or Bill or myself by the hand and say, hey, I, I just need to surrender. I just need to surrender to him. Will you do that today? You'll stand. We're about to sing this song. I'm going to ask, maybe you need to come and say, God, will you take over my bank account? God, will you take over my time? God, will you, you've given me this talent to be able to do this thing. Will you, will you take that over? God, this morning, I don't want to be the rich young ruler. Don't go away sad this morning because you have much. Make it available to him, and he'll give you even more of it. I promise you. He says in Malachi 3, test me in this and see. Altar's open. Father God, I just pray that you move your spirit upon this Give people the courage to ask somebody to move so that they can get out and get to this altar and get right with you. God, I pray that every soul will leave this place today. will leave this place in the right place with you. In Jesus' holy and precious name I pray.